Welcome to episode 10. 10. Can't believe it. Double digits. Stakes is high. The Black Geek Podcast. <laughs> we doing a thing. I would be Troy Hunter, aka at Tall Black Guy on the Twitters, Tumblers, all that. And I'm just gonna stay ill gates because that's just hot right now. <laughs> I, I am Terry Gant at Doc Midnight at 3RD Coast Comics and at Dread October. Ill Gates is pretty hot. I, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't argue. I can't. So you know, I'll, I'll, I'll remain vocal, Rembrandt. Fine with that. All right, rock it, son. Fine with that. So we gonna do this thing. Welcome, y'all. We appreciate you having y'all. We appreciate being here for ten episodes, giving you. Just the, the what we feeling right now, what we what we doing. We appreciate y'all. So let's go on getting this thing. Let's start off actually. Let's start off with stuff we like. Let's just go and start off with that. Stuff we like. Stuff I, we like. Bet. Stuff we like. I have come across much in the way of new music. Okay. By much I'm gonna but I'm gonna narrow it down to like three things that I've listened to recently that I've really enjoyed. Now all three of these things are uh, rock and metal related, but still yeah. they are. Uh, Winery Dogs. Uh, Winery Dogs is a three-piece sort of a, a, a power trio outfit of like dudes who've been in like a ton of other bands and who rock fans should like know the names though. So Mike Portnoy on drums, formerly of Dream Theater, uh, of Adrenaline Mob. He played on one of the more recent, one of the more recent and good Avenged Sevenfold albums because the last Avenged Sevenfold album was hot garbage. Um, he he was not garbage. for that hot garbage. garbage. It, was, it was a dumpster fire on drums, but that's because of Vince Sevenfold said the hot shot new drummer they got. They wanted him to specifically kind of play laid back a little more like simplified in a kind of an ACDC style of playing, which isn't his style. And I don't know why the fuck they even. Made it. I don't. I, I'm not feeling it. Now I, I can't listen to it anyway. Mike Portnoy on drums. All right. Uh, he is a progressive rock drumming monster. So like I said, Dream Theater, Flying Colors. He did the A7X joint. He um, he's in uh, just transatlantic. Like if you're if you're a progressive rock and metal fan, you know Mike Portnoy already. Bass is Billy Sheehan, uh, formerly of the David Lee Roth band and touring bass player for Steve Vai and other cats who basically do like the whole virtuoso rock guitar thing. Billy Sheehan is a bass player, is a bass player. But the vocalist and guitarist is Richie Kotzen, who some guys might remember Richie Kotzen's like an '80s style kind of shred guitar blues style player but he his big claim to fame such as it was was that for a couple of years he was the guitar player for Poison filling in for CC DeVille when CC DeVille was too drunk to pick up a guitar now it happens these guys they released an album a couple of years ago and it was alright I'm gonna call it alright I wasn't I mean it was I listened to it a lot it was it's cool and all but it's not as good as it possibly could have been as far as like shit that I'm into you know what I mean it just right. had my attention I don't on a scale of 1 to 10 this was like a 6 or a 7 of an album but I understood at least great talents were doing it first time together but this new album that they got out oh my if you like bass playing Billy Sheehan fucking he just completely flips it over on this one he is such a good bass player and like Troy walked in today and was like and I, and I hit fast forward on the drum because I don't want to hear rock ballads I can't stand them so they were about to get real fucking sensitive suddenly, and I don't want to see a bunch of, you know, 45, 50-year-old men try to be all sensitive and shit. I mean, unless you're going to play the blues, then move it right along. So I was fast-forwarding through some shit just to get the more amazing bass playing. And Richie Kotzen's guitar playing is less flashy blues bass, and it's a little more playing around the edges of song construction 
like um, like uh, Robert Fripp or Alex Lifeson would do, right? So if you listen to Rush, or you know if you like listen to sort of some King Crimson or some of that kind of like that, or like some of the old Bowie joints, you know, like when, when just the way that guitar isn't used to be the main thing, guitar is like a thing that flavors a thing. When that, that kind of playing happens and it's done really well, a few notes get a lot done. Right. You know, and then Mike Portnoy is just being brilliant as usual. Also. The new Queensryche by the real Queensryche has also come out, right? And I would say people should go out and go go find it. Go look for new Queensryche. I'm not giving album titles because I'm not even thinking about album titles. I really <laughs> forgot all the album titles. Actually. But it's like, it's the new one. Look for the new one. <laughs> the 2015 joint. Right, the 2015 joint. This is the second album by the actual Queensryche as opposed to whatever band Jeff Tate is in, former singer of Queensryche. Who also wanted to be Queensryche when he left, when he was fired from Queensryche. This is their second album with a Todd Latouris singer, and it's better than the previous album, which I thought was awesome. All right, so they have they've actually even upped their game even more. They've gotten better. Yeah, they're awesome. They have gotten they're they're better at being awesome, right? <laughs> and it's that old fire. Like sometimes a band, you know, we all like we have bands who like you know they've been together for 20, 30 years and shit. And we know their old shit was really great, and then at some point they got that like middle age kind of like like midlife crisis happened and now they can't like write songs about like fucking satellites and asteroids and and, and fucking like world wars and you know <laughs> chemical dependency you know we got to, you know we got to, you know we got a carpet man they become songs about mortgages right. you know <laughs> all of a sudden you got two dudes trading guitar solos <laughs> and a song about like putting your dad in a nursing home and no that's that's not rock and roll son i ain't trying to have it right. no no, the rock and roll has to grow, baby. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does have to grow. You need to get better as a musician. I'm not saying like I'm not saying that that I don't want to hear the same shit I used to hear. But the reason I listen to some of this shit is to escape the shit that is already my reality, right? I gotta look at my fucking 403B every so often, right? I don't want to hear motherfuckers who are like like rock guitar gods singing about FICO. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to hear like like credit karma. What the fuck are you doing? Like, get get the fuck out of here. Where's my metal, son? Like, right, but you know? okay. But I mean, but that's real. But I get you. I get you. You wanna you wanna progress. But you want but you also want to be reminded of the stuff where you came Man, from. Man, somebody's gonna fucking these guys gonna come out with concept albums about having FDIC insured bank accounts because houses are getting foreclosed on, and that's just it's depressing. I don't go to rock music to be depressed. I go to the blues to be depressed. Get your shit right. Get your shit right. Don't cross the fucking streams. <laughs> what do you think this is? Get your shit right. Get your shit right. And act of defiance. Um, for cats who are up, they want like, so here's, well, here's what act of defiance is. Act of defiance is basically, uh, some time ago on this podcast, I talked about one of the things I was looking for, I was listening to, was a band called Angra, a Brazilian metal band. Right. Um, and they had this guitar guitarist named uh, Kiko Luriero, who was leaving Angra to join Megadeth, right? Well, his replacement, the reason he's joining Megadeth is because Megadeth's guitarist Chris Broderick quit. And he and Megadeth's drummer formed a new band, right, called Active Defiance, which if you like that kind of like new wave of American heavy metal sound, that kind of Shadows Fall, uh, um, um, Lamb of God kind of sound mixed with a little bit of like old school, like recent old school, recent old school, Progressive metal style. Let's say Nevermore. Active Defiance is for you because Chris Broderick is a great guitar player. Like there's an edge to his playing, but it's really crisp and it's it's fast. It's fast. There's a little growly vocal. If you don't like the growly vocal thing, there's not too much of the growly vocal, right? So it's not so much that, like a, a thing. 
it can be a thing. You know what I mean? I'm a fan of more, more of an operatic style of vocal. Right. You know what I mean? I want guys to actually hit fucking notes. I don't, I don't just want all growling. But then I listen to things like the recent uh, uh, Judas Priest album, Redeemer of Souls. I remember the name of that album. Yes. <laughs> I, listen to, I listen to that, and the new Judas Redeemer of Souls sounds to me like a really good Iron Maiden album because Rob Halford can't hit the notes Rob Halford used to hit. Right? Is he trying? He, yes. Ooh. Yeah. There's a thing that happens where <laughs> mm. song construction has to change because note choice has to change, right? So their songs have changed. There's times when you, you can tell Rob wants to go up there and he can't get there. So there's a lot more songs than I like. It's a lower register, but it's just, again, not the same. But if you hear Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden sing, Bruce Dickinson's not trying to go way the hell up here, he's keeping it somewhere in the middle, more right. or less, right. right? And they find other ways to add that punch. Where he's comfy. There you go, right? <laughs> so musically, that's what I'm into. Give me some shit music. All right, musically, I'm on this joint. This um, two new joint, two things. Well, new to me. Um, Scarface, uh, deeply rooted. Um, Scarface is Scarface, um, and Scarface <laughs> is actually he keeps getting mentioned. Um, people's, you know, people's favorite favorite rappers for for a reason. He's still a good storyteller. He's older. Um, he's still. We're talking about that um, going back and, and reclaiming the stuff that, you know, he's not talking about retirement plans. You know, he's no. older than, you know, he's. I asked you earlier. Old. Is it still 1992. To Scarface? It's still. I mean, he's still 1992. Like Scarface, <laughs> he's, he's still. You know, come to grips with his. You know, he has mental issues. He. You know, he fully um, was aware, but Scarface is still street. Scarface is still talking about things that happen on the streets, dealing with the police, um, dealing with people doing illegal things. Um, and Scarface is going to feel bad ah, a couple seconds. And then, you know, that's it. You know, Scarface, meanwhile, is still going to do his thing. I have a question. You <laughs> said Scarface keeps making on the people's best, favorite rappers list. Are the questions like... Name your five favorite rappers, one of whom must be Scarface. No. Go. No. No? No. No. Scarface has been, it's like, it's like, he's like a red man. Like, people okay. who have been in the game for a All long right. time, like, lyrically, you're great. Delivery, you're great. Okay. You may not be, you know, you may not go gold, you may not go platinum, but you're great at what right. you do. Right. And red man is definitely that guy. De- definitely. Right. Red man is like the poster child for that. Yeah. Red man is like the guy, like, everybody goes, Reggie Noble is ill. And everybody yeah. goes, we know that. We, we already know. We know, but for whatever reason, like whatever Red Man jumps on, it's going to be great. Yeah. You know, like I said, the Rock Wild is still the almost the best three minutes hip-hop song ever. But he can't seem to sell, he can't seem to go platinum. But he gets on your stuff, it's hot. That also might be because what people have learned in this, this new straight-up 21st century, like, uh, hyper accessible media age is maybe Redman isn't meant to sell CDs. Huh. Everybody wants to see Redman everywhere else. Everywhere else. If you got paid based on YouTube clicks, <laughs> right? Redman's yeah. paper is right. Redman paper. You know but, what I'm saying? Like, but he still got the NBA, He still got the MTV crib. If you can, go the classic, YouTube. the best episode, the best episode of MTV crib. But they went back. Check you. Check. I don't. I don't know if it's on YouTube or Vimeo, but they go back to his crib now. <laughs> and they start comparing it, and the cousin who's on the floor he yeah. shows up. Um, <laughs> they find out he's using the same shower curtain as he did back in the day. 
<laughs> it's like you know, and and he he starts he uses Beyonce as a verb. He says, you know, I was actually uh, I bought the house. I was gonna you know clean it up, and I was you know going to I was gonna Beyonce my shit. And we just kind of okay, whatever you say, Reggie. And so you know he's redone the floors and the cabinets to see I Beyonce my shit. Like, I respect that. <laughs> Beyonce it. He Beyonce it. Watch that shit if you can. It is one of the most hilarious things ever. <laughs> and then okay. watch the original MTV Cribs again because that was still classic. That was still awesome. And Red Man didn't care. It was great. It was absolutely great. When we, I first saw the original Red Man joint, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought they like went to his neighbor's house or some shit <laughs> and just walked to somebody's trashy-ass crib because I couldn't believe... Then all these other MTV cribs, right? Everybody's got swimming pools and a fleet of helicopters and shit. <laughs> Reggie just sitting there with a PlayStation, and a bottle of hot sauce, and he's happy. And he's happy. And his cousin <laughs> on the floor passed out. They actually, there's an actual article, a company thing, and it came out a while ago where they they're interviewing him. He says, "You know what? People thought it was fake. People thought it was entirely fake. But this was actually how it was because I was comfy. I was comfortable. I wanted. I didn't want a big ass house. It says, but after that." When MTV started reaching out to people, people were like, oh, I don't have to have the big, you yeah. know, the chocolate room like uh, yeah, yeah. Macy Gray with the chocolate room right. where everything was brown. Like, I don't have to have that. I can be this cool with my right. little shit. Right. So actually, MTV was saying that they got a ton of other people like, oh, I'm signing up. Like, I don't have a mansion. I'm cool. Because Reggie Noble is like, look, fuck it. This is how I'm living. We're good. Right, I rap for a living. I rap for a living. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. I'm not. I'm not even Vanilla Ice trying to put in fucking Roman columns in my shit. No, right? No, no. all right, no. all right. So definitely do that shit. But um, but yeah, Scarface is one of those dudes that every people, you know, people love it. People like this is what he does, and he's good at doing. Uh, the deeply rooted joint. Not a lot of guests. Um, still really good. Um. I think I prefer that not a lot of guests thing because man, I, you know what? One thing fucking really pisses There's, me off, and this is a first world problem if I ever fucking had one. But it's a first world problem. First world problem. When I look at my iPod when there's music on them shit, featuring. Well, not only the featuring totally bugs me. Yeah, the featuring pisses me off. Like, but more than that, when the name of the motherfucker being featured becomes so damn long that it gets cut off and I can't even see who the hell is in the shit. Like, you know, like the name of the song would be Swinging from the Rooftops, right? And it'd be like, featuring, and then I'll be I was like, four or five letters, and the shit's just cut off. <laughs> and it's like, damn it, I don't, this is what liner notes were for, man. Like, <laughs> let me, let me just, maybe if I click on this shit, maybe we could just go to a screen where I can read who was on the shit, instead of having had your damn name cut off because your name is longer than the title of the fucking song. Why you want, man? First world Release problem, a fucking though. album. First world problem. Fuck a mixtape. But some people work well together. So I'm good with featuring. Right. Then if you work well together, you get to be Hall and Oates, right? Like <laughs> you are both making an album there, yeah? But can't you just go to work together now? <laughs> every damn song no. is a collaboration. If every damn song is a collaboration, that's a problem. But if I work really good, like he works good with a producer in, in Houston named Zero. Okay. Dude is awesome. Dude is like... I can't even say like kind of a Nate Doggy kind of thing. Like he does the hooks and whatnot, whatever. But he also raps a little bit. They work well together because the every time Zero does a song, it it bumps, it okay. bumps hard. But I know they're not going to make a Zero and Scarface out. It's cool. Mean, Zero jumps in like, let right. me jump in your shit. Just Scarface. I'm gonna albums. do a little thing. You jump on my shit. It's not like Scarface making an album a year and shit. Yeah, well, he is at this point. Wait, is he like Prince? Last He's like year, making albums nobody even needs to hear and shit? Last year it was Emeritus. 
I got too many hits. I got too many hits. Okay. So he does that. So definitely Scarf. I'm I'm enjoying the Scarface. This new joint, Big Boy and Fantagram, is Big Grams, which is a hilarious kind of conglomeration name thing. Sure, because um, we're not done with 90s drug references and shit constantly. <laughs> Never. Ever. <laughs> what did we just say? We're back in 1992. Right. Well, you did just say you're listening to Scarface. You know, hey, whatever. <laughs> um, the old is new again. But the thing about Fantagram and, and Big Boy working together is that it actually works. Um, there are a couple joints on it which are really, really good. It's an EP. It's seven. It's just seven songs. Um and I don't think they're charging full price, so that's good. Oh, are right. not charging eleven ninety nine for seven. That's strikes. news you can use, America. That's not that's that's not bad. Um, Big Boy does his thing. Um, you know the the very fact, and we've argued this many times. Not argue, well, argue with other people, is that Big Boy can hold his own. And so, apparently, we do think Dre has been in the studio by himself. But Dre's been in the studio, so that, that's good. Straight sure. wants to be in the studio. That's cool. Right. Um, but in the meantime, Big Boy is going to release these out. Right. Big Boy is going to going to get his ra- going, to, going to get his raps off. Right. So this actually it's a pretty it's, it's actually pretty decent. It's electronica based. Um, there's a joint with Skrillex on it for better or for worse. Um, for worse. <laughs> but at the very least, they're, they're they're doing like he's out there. He's doing his thing. Um, some fast, some slow. Um, Yes, you know, because sometimes he runs slow, sometimes he runs quick, 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 quick. <laughs> so those are the two. Those are the two joints I'm on right now. I'm still doing. Um, I got a trip coming up, so I'm still. I'm still bumping Dre's Compton. Still doing. I'm still trying to get um, back with Kendrick's uh, Pimp a Butterfly, um, to some degree. Um, yeah. So it's it's. Those are the two. Those are the two joints I, I got right now. I'm really trying to check out and, and, and try to try to um, see about. So that's music. That's on the music tip, right? In comics, I'm gonna tell you guys first. I'm gonna try to get this out without sounding like I got comics gripes because we are. We do this podcast every couple of weeks or so. From Third Coast Comics at 6234 North Broadway, Chicago, Illinois, 60660. I'll let you right. people. 6234 North Broadway. And when I'm here, across I try to remain. McDonald's. We are right across the street from McDonald's. I try to remain as positive as possible about the comics industry. But, but sometimes on the real, real, honey, it goes like this <laughs> Marvel has spent an entire <laughs> summer wasting your time because while Secret War is their main event, has been good. And all of their books that are re- basically the entire line is Secret Wars related. Okay, right. For the most part, right? right. You, If you wanted to get an Avengers comic, there's something you couldn't do it. Fantastic Four comic, can't do it. X-Men comic, can't do it. You, whatever you had to get Secret War. involving those comics would be Secret Wars related. Many of those books were also good. But it meant that if you just wanted to read about your favorite fucking character, good luck. If you wanted them in a context you were familiar with. Right. Right. I say Marvel wasted your time because what they were leading towards is the October, well, the, okay. the October November releases when they start releasing all these number one issues, first issues all over again. Marvel is the company of first issues, right? So we are going back to that thing again. And some of these books will be interesting. The trouble is this. The summer is when you should be building up to two things. Getting people excited for your new fall shit. They're treating it like it's seasons anyway. You know, the fall season's coming, guys, right? Like, that's what they're kind of right. doing. Okay. But it should also be when you're able to capitalize on all that hot movie shit 
that they were throwing your way for the past several years, right? We're like halfway through all their phases of movies and there's nothing on the shelves at any comic shop that's, that speaks to the people who are just MCU fans. If you are a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, okay. nothing speaks to you, right? So what they basically did is they wore everyone out over the summer with everything being Secret Wars, with nothing being familiar. Right. Right? No movie reference. They fatigued stuff, right? you. They fatigued the shit out of you while at the same time having to get everybody all hot and bothered over this fucking like Age of Ultron shit from the beginning. Your summer starts with Age of Ultron. Right? And nothing during the entire summer speaks to trying to capture the interest of that film. Your time was wasted. And now you're supposed to still have energy to get up on the new hotness coming out in October, November. So my work's cut out for me. So I'm going to say to you, fam, if you're listening, if you come into Third Coast Comics, which you ought to be, and when I put some books in your hands, just buy them shits. You're going to have to just trust me now because I'm doing the work Marvel did not do. All right? I'm going to save Marvel from themselves and therefore also get you comics you are going to like. But in the meantime, if you go into a comic shop, mine or otherwise, but preferably mine, you come to Third Coast Comics and you are fatigued and you look at that shelf and you're like, what the hell, Marvel? I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you there are other books that you can get up on. And almost all of them are coming from not Marvel. Not Marvel. Right? Tokyo Ghost, all right, is a new image book by Sean Murphy and I want to say Rick Reminder, but I just want to double check. I want to get the writer up. It is indeed Rick Reminder and Sean Murphy. And here's the thing. If you like that, if you ever read like old school heavy metal, heavy metal magazine, heavy you know, metal magazine, old shit. school, the, the, the European joints, right? Like right. the old, like the, those amazing French great, artists, yeah, Japanese artists, artists, Italian artists, artists, who just come up with these creative sci-fi stories, right? Tokyo Ghost feels like that, right? It feels like a, like a cross between Tank Girl and Appleseed and Mad Max, <laughs> right? That's what this book feels like, okay. you know? This is the new hot shit and there's still copies out there. Right? This one hasn't sold out everywhere. I may even have 10 or so left. I don't know how many, don't know how many I'm going to have by the time this is released <laughs> in a day or so. But get on it, because that one there is, is good shit. And I'm also going to say, there's a new kind of a fantasy epic style comic, which the art style of it seems somewhat on a simple side, but it's, I think it's building to something that could be kind of cool, and that's called From Under Mountains, also by Image Comics. Um... I'm going to say give that a shot because it, is, it has that like supernatural element to it. It's got that world building element, but it's it's done not like an overly complicated Lord of the Rings kind of thing. It may be a little more like the way Saga kind of felt when you first started reading Saga and it felt like nice and wide open while still having some like mystery to it, right? This kind of gives me that kind of vibe. I'm not saying it's going to be Saga. Right. I'm just saying that issue number one came out and I like the pacing of it. I liked kind of the... They didn't. The artist didn't have to confuse me with all kinds of like fancy ability to draw fucking scales on some armor. You know, sometimes cats do that, right? They, yes. they try to do a fantasy joint and then they want to draw every fucking like little jewel on a handle of a sword. And now nah, you put in so much fucking detail, you're not actually telling me a story, right? Right. Shout feel, out to Joe Mad. <laughs> shout out to Joe Mad. <laughs> I feel like he's, here, he's coming back. Well, yes, that's what I hear. <laughs> I can't be made to give a shit. But, you know, hey, look, man, he, man, he burnt too many bridges. I can't forgive. Or I can forgive. I just can't forget. That's my shout-out to Mike Muir. Ah. Right? All right. <laughs> Suicide of right. Tennessee. Right. <laughs> so those are two right there that I'm going to say, 
go ahead and get up on and just anything go to your go to your comics independent section if you're not happy with what Marvel's doing you're not happy with what DC's doing there is plenty out there there's one thing Marvel did right in the last month that is actually proven to be kind of cool right they have this thing called True Believers that they did in, in a, for the last month in which they gave you the first issue of all of their strong female character based comics for a dollar Right, okay. so like if you if you look over your left shoulder, you can see the first issue of Black Widow, Spider Gwen, Captain Marvel, Silk, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Spider Woman, Princess Leia, Thor, She Hulk, Ms. Marvel, all for a buck. First issue, like I got cats coming in asking me to order them 25, 40, 50, 100 copies for Halloween, right? To like just throw in like trick or treat bags. Oh, that's kind of hot. You know what I mean? Like. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Like for, that, that entry level, like, sure. What I've been saying to folks is, you know, hey, okay, you buy a stack of comics right here. You, you're asking about what you should get as a gift for a friend. Get a couple of these dollar comics with these strong female characters, right? Right. And if the person that you give it to digs it, the, almost all the, everything here just about, except for, I think, except for Princess Leia and Thor, Goddess of Thunder, everything else is collected in a trade, in a soft cover trade paperback okay. at a reasonable price too. So if it comes down to like, you know, you want to like right, get I somebody main, into some shit. Right, I want to mainline. You can do that. Right Spider Gwen, I think, comes out maybe this week. That might be arriving in my shop tomorrow. You know, I think something, some of those books over there comes out this week. And I think it's Spider Gwen that it hasn't had a trade yet, but most of that's already in trade. You know, in fact, Spider Woman series is right below that Spider Woman number one down there. Right. You know, so it is. There's there's things that have been done right. They're just not the thing the majority of fans will have understood to even be a thing. Dig it. What you reading? Southern bastards. Um, Jason Latour, he, when writers and, and artists come out and say, you know what, I'm, I feel this way about a thing. Southern Bass is kind of unique where, I mean, this is based down south. Um, from Southern dudes. Um, from Southern dudes. And, you know, they came out when the Confederate flag shit blew up. Yeah. They came out was like, look, Southern flag is, the Confederate flag is bullshit. And we understand, you know, we understand all the heritage bullshit, but it's bullshit. So y'all yeah. need to get with it. And they took a principled stand. And I was with that. Um, also, the art is awesome. The story, the story is, is like you, you, you're, you're with it. Like there's some comedy with the shit. There's some serious social issue kind of stuff. Um, enjoying the hell out of that. Also, um, Latour's uh, Instagram, like he just doodles random shit, and it's just for a man, like it's, it's goals. For a man to doodles like twenty seconds, you like, oh shit, yeah, like you just sun my whole shit. I spent two hours on. Then he's also the same guy that designed the, the Spider Gwen costume. That yeah, is about the best costume design to come out in, in the a last minute. three, four right. years. In yeah. a minute, yeah. yeah. Um, big, 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 huge, huge fan of that. Huge fan of that shit. Um, <clears throat> and um, more or less, um, whenever like whenever Rat Queens comes through, um, read that. Now the thing about the the Joe Mad thing, <laughs> Joe Mad is a there's supposed to be a New York Comic Con. Um, him, J. Scott Campbell. Um, there's another dude who like their their little properties, whatever stuff they started with. So Crimson, Battle Chasers. Crimson was uh, Humberto Ramos. Yes. So he yeah. they're all showing up and they're selling like some print. Like yo, we back in the game. Oh so God. Like oh <laughs> oh. Now I can't lie, the art was awesome. But the cats was spinning. So he said he, he, you know, he said the success went to his head, and he just sat around playing video games all day. Yes, he didn't actually do anything, um, which killed me. 
because this like I own the battle chases trade. Like you couldn't tell me shit, but then it's one. So those, you wanted more battle chases. I wanted more, and then there was no more. <laughs> then there was no more, and I was sad. And I was like, and then we found out that he had a problem. Um, but definitely the fact that most of these cats are you know on Instagram, they're still drawing, they're still doodling shit, and it just it's just a great impetus for creative people like you never stop like I can't compare his shit to Latour's because Latour's like you know what it's a day in and why here's a doodle what I explain is the way I look at it is there are cats who are good at posting up an image to get people excited and then there's dudes who tell stories stories right comics pros can tell stories so I get pissed at people like Joe Matt because Joe Matt had a, a chance to really capitalize on an art style that came from two places that American audiences were not getting in comics on a regular basis. Right. Both graffiti and the Japanese, Japanese, the Japanese manga style. Right. Right? He was he was bastardizing both of these things. Right. And getting mad props from Marvel for it. But it was ill though. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem there is now we need you to be a professional and turn in some pages, <laughs> pages so right. you can make a living doing this thing which was supposed to be the point right <laughs> and if you work in comics like when when as a retailer now I didn't own a shop back in the 90s when Joe Matt basically like crawled up his own ass but I will say that hey. having just worked in the shop around when that happened when uh, um, J. Scott Campbell and Humberto Ramos when all these guys were doing this thing when you don't put a book out that we've sold pre-orders to yeah, and I gotta keep feeling questions this is the out. comics nerd equivalent of you are fucking with my paper now. <laughs> right? Now it's personal. That's Now it's personal. Right? <laughs> I can't trust you to do shit. Now, other cats, it's not that the only dudes that have been late with some shit, right? Yeah. Because my God, John Cassidy, it might have been 10 issues between issues number 26 and 27 of Planetary. But in the meantime, John Cassidy did have other work that got right. turned in. Right. He turned in possibly the sleepiest, though pretty, uh, run of Captain America I ever fucking saw. Right? Like, John Cassidy's done all kinds of fucking... Wait, the Joss Whedon uh, Astonishing X-Men joint that I'm handing all kinds of people this book to be like, if you want to get an X-Men, start here with Whedon's X-Men. And I don't like Whedon. Right. Right? But this was hot shit. Right. So Cassidy did a lot of things while Planetary was lit. Yeah. Some of that's on Warren Ellis, the writer. Yeah. But in the case of Battle Chasers, that's, that's on Joe Matt. That's all over. Right? right? So when guys say... Or like cats like um, Jason Pearson, Right? Jason Pierce is another brilliant artist, right? Beautiful looking work for a certain style of work. Yeah. But whenever Body Bags comes out again, what are you looking at? <laughs> wow. The same Body Bags you was looking at yeah. before. We're re-releasing it again. Why do we keep re-releasing it? Body we bag. keep re-releasing it because you can't seem to find a way to move on to give us more of the hot shit we asked you for. Right. right? I don't know. Some of these cats, man, they might have whole towns of relatives dying of the big C. I don't know. But if you don't come out and say, man, I got to put these fucking video games down, what are we to think? Right. I'm going to think you ain't got your shit together. Right. And this medium is serialized, right? Every month people come back for the next issue. Yeah. And if there is no next issue, Brian Bendis at Marvel, he could talk a good game about uh, uh, fucking release dates don't matter and, and it's okay if books come out on time. If fans want a book, when it's there, they can just buy the book. You can say that shit, <laughs> but this industry ain't built on buy it when it's ready. Fuck you know? Paper. Right, you fucking with my paper. Like you, everybody. It's the commercial with a, uh, uh, fucking uh, Miami Heat, fucking Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. When he when he's add more like add more defenders, so I look like a superhero and shit. <laughs> and they come and look for the highlight, and he's like, when it's ready, it be ready when it's ready. That's not how comics works. <laughs> it just ain't because there's some dude sitting there right behind you 
whose spot you're gonna take they're gonna take your spot they're right. gonna do it right so now you gotta come out and tell everybody out there why Joe Matt was so fucking special in the first place considering if I look behind me I'm gonna point out 9, 10 guys better than Joe Matt who probably never heard of the fucking guy <laughs> right like so who are more consistent who, who are more who are, who are here <laughs> shit's at least on the shelf yeah there's that. you know like, John Byrne will step up a lot. Man, I'm a huge... I, I grew up a John Byrne fan. That dude's going to come up and tell you all about all these great shits he did in the fucking industry, right? But I was just reading an interview with John Byrne just the other day uh, in, in Back Issue Magazine, which I love Back Issue Magazine. If there's magazines you... I, I, okay. You know, we get in the magazine sometimes, okay. right? Back Issue's one of my... That's my hot shit magazine. Okay, okay. And they were doing a, a feature on uh, global international heroes, right? And John Byrne created Alpha Flight. So they were doing kind of a history of Alpha Flight with all these like kind of clips of John Byrne like comments and shit from not just interviews that he did with Back Issue, but interviews he may have done for Amazing Heroes magazine, all these interviews back in the day. And John Byrne's explaining that basically at the time he did Alpha Flight, he was drawing and writing the Fantastic Four. He was plotting the thing and let doing breakdowns for the thing solo comic. And he was doing an Alpha Flight comic and he was doing some other shit. And it got to just the point where he realized I'm such hot shit. Now I have to do all this work. What the fuck? Right. Right? Like something had to change. Right? People thought Alpha Flight was going to just be an R.I. book. But it turned out to be... A, it, it, the first issue sold half a million copies. Half a million. Like if DC had a book right now that sold half a million copies, instant movie. They'd do a movie next week. That book just sold half a fucking million. We ain't, we can't wait for 2017. Right. You know, get a hand get puppets. The, get the computer. <laughs> right. You know, put some Muppets who, in that shit. Who can draw this shit? Where's Dwayne Wade? Put some defenders around him. Book just sold half a million copies. That's what it would be like. It'd be fucking anarchy. It'd be crazy. Yeah. Right? So he said, with one of those books he was doing, he said he couldn't, he couldn't write and sort of draw the thing anymore. He had to stop doing the script, basically, and just do breakdowns on the thing, right? Then he was like, shit, no, I can make it even faster. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not going to draw it at all. I'm just going to, I'm going to plot it out, and I'm going to go straight to ink. Ink the paper. Damn. Eliminate a step. He eliminates a step, right? And Because he said he's so good he could do this, but he needed to still get paid. So he, he halved his workload on that book right. and got paid the same rate, Damn. right? Now, that's different than... I'm playing video games that can't draw my comic. Right. That motherfucker's got three books to do. Right. Right? Like, See, that's the workload I'm talking But he also has the mentality of nobody's taking my spot. Nobody's taking my spot. <clears throat> like, if somebody's taking my spot, I'm clawing. You're going to have to drag me out of this spot because right. I'm going to take, I'm, I'm, I'm right. residing in here. Right. So that's just, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's like, it's an impetus for people, creative people. And a shout out to my man, Jake Park, with his Inktober shit. Inktober, that, you know, check out the hashtag, people just drawing shit. My man Jake Parker just came up with this thing. It's like, yo, every day during October, you draw a little, you draw something. You yeah. do something, get the pen out, do your thing. And his thing, he has a, a series of videos on YouTube, but the shit that he has is finished, not perfect. Right. That's his mantra. In like, fact, that is that is how you draw. That's how, how you get better anything. You finish. Yep. Just like anything else. Like, you have to finish. Like... You know, no, I can't put this shit out like the podcast. Like, right. I, I could add this shit to hell. Right. But guess what? We ain't finished, doing it. It's finished. Finished? Not perfect. Although we are perfect in the current Stakes form. Stakes is high. Stakes remain high. So, 
that's the shit right to do. I, I totally understand. But then that's the thing. Like, with people with long memories, like, yeah. I'm going to check out your mad shit. Yeah. I may not buy it. I like yo, can get two or three joints in the can I use first. Joe Mad as a cautionary fucking tale. When this new shit, hit, whatever, when it hits, I'm gonna put it up by the register and be like, "This dude here, how much money you got, youngin? Buy this dude's joint because you don't know when you'll see the next issue." <laughs> yeah. That's how I'm gonna roll with it. Buy it now. Buy it before it becomes an artifact. Right. <laughs> you don't know what could happen. <laughs> I mean, this cat might get stuck in Halo sometime, and like, just when have to Joe Mad started drawing this shit, there was a white president in the White House who played the saxophone. That is how long ago it's been since you got a Joe Mad comic. How long else will it been? Damn, Harvey P. Carr was more regular than this motherfucker. Just say it. Just okay. All right. Deep cuts. Deep cuts. Deep cuts. All right. Um. So let's see. Um, on some, well, that's like I said, that's, that's the that's the comic shit. Um, on some life shit, uh, took a trip to Southwest Michigan, uh, Three Oaks, Michigan, uh, middle of nowhere. Uh, Journeyman Distillery. Yeah. Speaking of which, you got my bottle, man. I got the. I got yeah. We got some. <laughs> uh, to see you know, the thing is, this is a business thing. This is um. It was, Journeyman is hot shit. Journeyman is hot shit. This is the thing with the, the business is that, you know, they do everything. They're yeah. kind of a small craft distillery kind of thing. So they, you know, they're doing the entire process. They're brewing shit. They're packaging. They're doing everything when it's just one building in, um, in Three Oaks, Michigan. And, you know, the loading dock is mad small. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're individually numbering bottles and whatnot. They got the barrels up. And um, went up there uh, last weekend for uh, um, tasting and tour kind of thing. It's mad small. And it's one of those things, and we were discussing it, about the business of, and about distillery, about liquor and all that good stuff. And how great it is that you have a business that's growing, but they figured out, they're trying to figure out how fast, you know, thing in business that you don't want to grow too fast. Particularly in this business. Especially. And you don't want to go too fast, and you want to find, you know, you got your niche, but how big do you want to get? Right. And so they're still trying to figure that out because right now they got one still, one thing where all this stuff comes out of, and they're bringing they're bringing in another one. Now these stills cost like half a mil or something. Right. Some and, and they import it from Germany. They assemble it and everything. It takes apparently a month or two to build it. Um, and if, they're trying to, if no one wants to get sick. Right. That's the issue. So they, 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 they showed us all the stuff. Like, you know what? The first couple of gallons come off this stuff. It's like, that's a moonshine. That's some right. formaldehyde shit that no one bothers with. Then we got the good stuff. But dealing with, watching them deal with their economy. Like, how big do we want to get? You know, you know, Benny's wants 500 bottles. We don't, you know, we only make 400 or whatever. What can we do? Because eventually Benny's might get pissed off. And what do we do? Because somebody else take that spot. Somebody that's the thought. That's it. But Benny's has a distribution, and we talk about Benny's because it's a Midwest kind of thing. But out west is something else. Back east, down south is totally maybe somebody else. But they're like, well, you know, we ship to Germany, we ship worldwide. But if Benny's is a is a distributorship, right. Benny's like, yo, we can carry y'all. People come to Benny's as opposed to the mom and pop kind of like. You know, not quite liquor stores, but like kind of the hoity-toity sure. kind of wine and spirits and da-da-da. So 
watching them do their thing like it's like four dudes just kind of running around and like looking at gauges and you know their mad boxes and shit like that and you know you got your little sail white stuff and while we were there they were coming out they had a release party for their new shit which what hasn't hidden that has not hit shelves yet so we bought a bottle of that shit okay um but the fact that they're trying to figure they got a rum they got a vodka they got a brandy they're trying to figure out where do we go where do we fit in and you know our product's going to be good but how do we get out all this you know how do we get out this word and how do we grow do we how fast do we grow how you know how much do we need to buy another building do we need to do some else and what's interesting is hell to watch yeah it was interesting as tasty as all get out um that was a really you know i recommend it's like an hour and a half drive you just hit 94 go west go east um you run right into it sure. um there's signs of like yo and when we got there the parking lot was full the parking lot next to that was full. <laughs> Because people apparently are coming around sure. and like, you know, coming from, you know, and we were there in a group, our tour group, were people from Chicago. And they were, you know, young folk people, they, they made the drive just like we did. And they were like, oh, you know, I'm here for this. And you had a little tasting and all that good stuff. Um, so not only is the product great, but to be able to see the business and go to where they make the stuff, you know, this is where they make the stuff I like. Right. Oh, this is kind of awesome. Now, you know, we're at the Patton Oswalt. I like the stuff I like, but I'm okay. You know, sometimes you're okay with not knowing, sure. but this makes it even better. Like, oh, yeah. shit, I get to see this is a small this is a small business, but you guys are making a lot of stuff. Here's the, the thing. I've, I've seen this in a couple of different places where uh, one, Few Distillery is in Evanston, not far from my house, right? And they they had a similar problem. I was there doing a tour and I was the only person there. I just happened to walk in because I heard it was somewhere in the neighborhood, left my therapist's office, walked a block and a half and found it in an alley, right? Boom, there they were. And I was talking about, man, you know, like I've seen you in a couple of bars, but not in a lot of places. And they said, the, the problem is that when you're starting out, you can only, because it's a whiskey and it generally it involves barrel aging, barrel right? Age, right? Which rec- what this means is you need a place to put the barrels. Yeah, you got to first make the shit, and you got to have a place to put the barrels. You got to put them in the barrels, and where do you store your barrels? And if you're doing this in the city, this can be difficult because you've only got so much room. Yeah, right. If you're out in Three Oaks, Michigan, you may have a little more room to do this, but your capacity is still. You're only going to go as fast as your your still can produce. Yeah, right. So you have to stifle demand a little bit. Because you can't make any more than what you've got the capacity to do for right now. Exactly. What few did that I found interesting is they make something called a white whiskey. Right? The unaged stuff. That's right. Yes. It is simply not aged. That's moonshine. (laughs) Right? That's what the moonshine is. So you make a certain number of bottles of this. It comes straight out of the still. It goes right into the bottle. And they put that shit in a box, put it on the shelf, and wait for an order to come in. Now, when you taste it, and if you were a moonshine... Uh, connoisseur, let's say, let's say you, you, let's you, say, let's say by connoisseur, I mean you've had at least three different types, right? I may have had five or six different types. You can right? distinguish them. You can't. Fuse white whiskey is possibly the best tequila I've ever tasted, right? But as a whiskey goes, <laughs> not so much. There are better moonshine makers out there, okay. but a product is on someone's shelf, right? Right, that's not waiting. Right, that, you know what I mean. That, that's what I think they. I think that was the approach they took. Yeah, was they made a couple different products, especially the white whiskey. They pushed that, 
right? It's a very distinctive flavor, and then other shit can age, you know? And you need years on that aging, right? Well, they were talking about, the the journey was talking about, they were were doing some stuff where it was eight months. Mm -hmm. They got stuff that is aging anywhere from three months on the rum um, to 18 months. And so they had, shit, at this point probably, you know, the buyer barrel was like, you know, the buy the uh, actual barrel, empty barrel is like $150. If you want to have an event and fill up a barrel and do some stuff and have everybody sign you, pay, like, oh, you can, it's a great wedding gift. Like, it's a couple grand because you're actually taking an entire bottle. Can we back up? Barrel. So, if they had an empty barrel, they'll sell you the empty barrel for 150 bucks. Yes. Yes, they will. This, this, okay, because this is a thing for homebrewers like myself, right? I was explaining to somebody about how, uh, you know, this is this is the Black Nerd Podcast, right? Black Geek Podcast. And a thing that is really big now in beer right, is well, bourbon barrel aged beers, right? Okay. Beer, basically, that is they aged. Mi- they mentioned that. Yeah. Well, as it happens, one of the big areas where this became a thing <laughs> was the St. Louis area, right? Where certain folks, um, not the St. Louis, the Kentucky area, where folks was basically producing their bourbons, they were going through their barrels, and then when they get to the point where they think a barrel is just kind of worn out, they would just throw them away. Yeah. Well, brothers who were making their own beer down there apparently <laughs> were just going to where they throw the barrels away and picking them up and taking them home, right? So there is a, a certain, we were there yeah. on that whole bourbon barrel situation, <laughs> and when they realized, when cats realized that there might be something to this whole afterlife of the barrel thing, yeah. now we're selling barrels, you see? <laughs> but for me and my buddy who are home brewers, like 150 bucks for a barrel that you can get some use out of, that's, pretty, yeah, that's pretty, not so bad. Now, it just means you have to also produce a barrel worth of beer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't like have Do a couple what is effectively, well, when you, when you homebrew, you're making effectively like a, 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 a two large, two or three, like a couple large buckets of beer is what you're going to get. Okay. You're going to get like 50 bottles out of that. And 50 bottles is not a barrel. Yeah. So you need <laughs> a, a little more even beer production. Yeah. To be able to like justify, you know, the barrel. justify a barrel because what you can't have in the barrel is air. Right. You know, you can't have room. That's not a that's not a good move. So again, no one will actually get sick. I was mentioning being sick earlier. You won't get sick, it'll just taste like shit. Or something. But yes, they have barrels. You know, yeah. All right. I like hearing that. They do sell barrels. Down the road. Because we asked. Right. So yeah, it was like an hour and a half. Take a car big enough to fit truck. a barrel in your trunk. Yeah. Um, no baby SUV, whatever, whatever. I mean, they have different size barrels. Oh, I got you. All right. Oh, all right. So not only the big ass, like, okay. you know, Donkey Kong barrels. Yeah, yeah. But also, this is what like, I was thinking. Right. But no, there's a small, they're smaller barrels. Okay. So, you, so yeah, you can do that. Um, I well, shit, well, you got other shit you like? Man, okay, so look, on TV, uh, I, I've heard that the new X-Files is going to happen. Right? <laughs> right. And I was... Kind of in the X Files back in the day, you know. I'd watched here and there, mm. but I, you know, my VCR was always filling up with other shit like pro wrestling, right? So I didn't do all the. I, there's a lot about the X Files mythos that I would just come in the middle of and not really get, right? So what I decided I was gonna do with Netflix is just start watching from the beginning on and just watch the shit out of X Files. So when the new X Files happens, I'm there, right? Okay. And I've been basically just burning through some X Files, and let me tell you, they don't make TV like this anymore, right? Because, like, they talk, like, everything we seem to think about the X-Files is Mulder and Scully looking for aliens, you know what I'm saying? Right. Boy, that Mulder, he really believes aliens are real, and boy, that Scully, Please. she just seems skeptical. No, man. 
Mulder's a shit-talking little prick just about the entire time. And there are going to be times when you're going to be like, Scully, shut the fuck up, you know? But my God, that dude's... When I, when I realized this wasn't... These guys are the most trustworthy, get-nothing-done pair of motherfucking investigators I've ever seen. If they wonder if aliens are real and they got to find proof of aliens being real, as soon as they find the proof, they walk right into somebody's office and they go, hi, here's proof. And the person goes, why, thank you, and throws that shit right in the fire. <laughs> that keeps happening. Then they're like, whoa, 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 you just burnt our... Ah, goddammit. Guess we got to find more proof. I guess you do, Agent Mulder. <laughs> This keeps happening. Like if this were any, if this was a show being made now, that shit would get resolved, right? They'd be trotting Martians up in front of the fucking Congress, you know? Like like NBC News right. would have fucking motherfuckers from Saturn right. all up, you know? But that's, that's a three episode season. It is. Here, nothing gets resolved. The X-Files is apparently Mulder's office has a fucking, just a shit ton of, of file cabinets with shit inside them. And I guess he could just reach in and tell me once to pull up a file and go, look, this says well rules are real. Let's go find out. Then they're going to find out what rules really are real. What are we going to do about that? I'm going to take this to the highest court in the land and talk all about it. But he has to hand the folder to somebody. Whoever he hands that shit to just shreds that motherfucker. <laughs> ah, shit. Well, we'll be back next week. <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> this is awesome. Like, how did I miss this? I don't know how the fuck I missed it, but I missed this somehow. Um, I'm also glad... I, I, I remember being a big fan of this show called The Strain. It's a vampire show right. on FX. And let me tell you, season two was the biggest fucking clusterfuck, and it's over now, and I'm glad it's over. I need season three to come back, and I need, I need season three to start with a pair of their writers, like, standing on a pier and just have somebody shove the motherfuckers into the Hudson Bay. Like, that's how the show needs to start. We've murdered some writers. We promise you we'll do better. Like, I want that. Because shit, I, man, the I case for reparations. I can't even complete a sentence right now. <laughs> reparations need to happen for season two. Damn it. The fuck did you do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> the fuck wrong with y'all, man? And so my boy came in here, my boy Wayne. Uh, Wayne Wayne's a cool dude. And, and me and Wayne don't ever really agree on shit, right? Well, he comes in the shop every week, and we, we build for a little minute. You know what I mean? We just talk about whatever the fuck we into, right? And Wayne told me that I should be watching Quantico. And I was skeptical because when I saw the commercial for Quantico, it's an FBI profiler show on NBC, I think. I think it's on NBC. Maybe it's on ABC. Either way, it's on, it's on one of the BCs. And the premise is a whole bunch of cats get recruited for the FBI, but one of them is a traitor and a traitor. terrorist. And okay. you don't know which one it is. Yeah, right. Okay. Right? Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. The problem is, it was mentioned in the fucking promo ad that they're beautiful people. <laughs> I heard that in one of their ads, it's mentioned that they're attractive people, right? Okay. And that bothered me. As well, it should. Like, I don't want to watch, I watch a lot of procedurals and shit. I just don't want to, I don't want to know they're the beautiful people. Clearly on fucking television. Not everybody's going to look like fucking Pat Oswalt. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, not everybody's going to look like Brian Posehn or some shit. Right. I could watch a show where they do, but they don't have to. You know what I mean? But... I actually said, fuck it. You know what? I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch episode one. I'm going to do that shit. And it was good. Right? Like, I forgot I was watching Beautiful People. When they got around to the hook, it wasn't what I thought. Right? So I'm going to go home tonight and actually watch episode two. I'm watching all this shit on demand. Because, I, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a TiVo. I don't have a DVR. Rather, you know what I mean? I, I got I to gotta watch it gotta, on demand. You got to do what you got to do. Or I got to put my eye patch on. And some of these shows aren't even worth eye patching. 
You know, I realize I'm watching some bullshit. When I know I'm watching bullshit, I will find a legal yet free way to watch it. Right. Now, if I think it's going to be the new hotness and I need it right now, maybe I got to put an iPad. You got to do what you got to do. Right. I right. feel it. Right. I feel that. I'm also watching Bastard Executioner. I, right. See the look on your face. You can't, you can't even see the look on the face. <laughs> There's a show on FX called Bastard Executioner. And it's basically a show. It appears to be a show about a dude whose job is to be a headsman. Right? Okay. And he's got to go around lopping heads off. But it isn't. Really, the premise of the show is there's a former knight who is retired from knighting. He's gone off and moved to the country in the middle of nowhere. And then his past catches up with him. Of course right? Past catches up with him. So he had put the sword down for a hot minute. <laughs> and now something's happened where not only does he have to put pick the sword up. But the dudes he's after, the ones he must take his vengeance upon, he is impersonating an a executioner that they hired but never met. Right? So he's taking this dude's place. The executioner that they hired yet never met is was a complete total asshole. He was a, he was a dick to his wife. He beat his kids and shit. He was such a nasty motherfucker that when he's killed on the way to the job and my man main character shows up claiming to be him yeah. my man's wife lies and says yeah that's my husband because he's gotta be nicer than the other motherfucker <laughs> right so it's a whole show the show for, for his end when he's in the castle being the executioner his, his new fake son is handing him the tools of the tree because the new fake son knows him from working with his dad Okay, to do the thing you gotta do, you need you need this weapon here, dude. Don't worry. Yeah, I got I'll cover. You know what I mean? And his wife is like, no, no, you are. My, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not really your husband, lady. When we're when we're here, you don't have to call me my love and all this bullshit. She's like, no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> you can hit this. It's cool, right? <laughs> but in the meanwhile, the issue is he's only doing this. Him and his, him and his 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 partner are only doing this fake executioner gig until they find out who the men, the knights were. We're in this castle who murdered their whole village. Okay. It's that joint. Okay. That's what brought him back in. Right, right, right. He went to go. He's looking for the motherfuckers who murdered his village based on some shit him and his boys did do. Okay. They, they brought it on themselves. Okay. Right? So he's he's got to find the dudes. We got to come back on We're there so they can come back on him. And the rule is we can't, we can't like, you know, this, of the men of the village left, there's like seven or eight men of the village. Okay. Every one of them lost someone in the massacre. Oh. So we can't just take out one dude Dude. or two dudes. We need to know all 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 eight guilty dudes so we get all of them. So he got to keep being the bastard executioner who's his fake executioner the entire fucking time. You know? And he's... The show, like, it's made by the same dudes who made Sons of Anarchy. And I want to believe that can make it better. I think that's actually a detriment. I wish the show were made by somebody else because it has the elements of, like, that kind of you know, Kurosawa, dark-ass, Japanese, feudal ronin. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do kind of Honor. shit. Yeah. But it's almost like a show where you see Katie Seagal trying to be like a, 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 a pagan witch. And it's like, Katie Seagal's not a very good pagan witch. She kind of looks like Cher, you know? <laughs> Maybe they should have just got Cher. You know, they got this she one brother. They got this one brother who's like one of the men of the village who lost his, his mother, you know? And... He is obviously not like the others, and you're waiting for someone to make mention of it. But right. it takes two episodes the before more. someone realizes. Right? Like, 
There's only two black people in the entire village. Just two. Not understand if they had half a black, half about a quarter of the village was black. I understand. Only two of you are black, and no one's noticed. Man, rural fucking like Wales must have been one fucking great fucking egalitarian and pluralistic place, because no one seems to have fucking noticed. You know. But no, he's a Moor, he's Muslim, and it's a secret. No, it, really? How is it? How, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, all right. Yeah. Education was not all that strong no, back then. No, that's, no. So he's pretending to be a Christian, right? Because apparently this is a thing, you know. But otherwise, the show's still good. It's like, okay. all right. Pass it, execution it. Okay. Check that shit out. Okay. All right. All right. I'm with that. All right. Now we're going to go from... <laughs> we like... Um, Derek Rose is a bitch. I disagree. <laughs> Wa-boom. Get the long that is the name for this segment. Derek Rose is a bitch. I disagree. <laughs> we can do this shit every podcast. No. Some sort of athlete is a bitch. I disagree. <laughs> Today, no, that athlete no, is Derek agree. fucking Rose. You'd agree sometimes. I might. You I might agree sometimes. You might agree sometimes. Agree thing is, I'm not even, thing is, I'm not the dude that had his argument. I'm not the dude that had his mm-hmm. argument because I'm not I'm gonna, a B-ball fan. I'm going to speak on it now okay. so that the, the podcast listening audience can make their own minds about dude's bitchitude. Okay. okay. I'm going to just defend the bitchitude just as far as his personality yeah. and his stardom, quote unquote, go. Right. So... I don't know if you have to. Thing is, for a lot of people, you don't have to make a case. Really? I don't think so. I think a lot of people. Are I think I'm in the minority. I think a lot of people are fed up. They're not to your degree. Okay. They're not. Oh, you're right. Because I want to trade. Right. I you want to like, fuck out of town. I'm done. Guy. Yeah. I'm. So here's here's, what, here's the background. Okay. <laughs> so Bulls training camp about to open up. Right. Like it's 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 the summer's over. It's fall. Like, it's time for hockey, it's time for fucking basketball. And this town, they don't want to talk hockey. That's that's yeah, a do. difficult... Mm. Yeah, they do. It, you, they want to talk hockey, but they talk hockey, they get to talk about that other asshole. <laughs> they got to right? talk about other things. Right, so this is making hockey but, a difficult thing. But the glare of the 355 diamond rings... That's of, true, but that, of, the diamond ring thing just, had, that just got revealed. But Derek Rose had a camera in his face last fucking week. And they said, so Derek, how was your summer? Oh man, you know, I I just spent my entire summer, you know, just trying to like, you know, I was just thinking about how much money I can make in free agency in two years, basically like, you know, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about basketball or the the last, the postseason getting beat by the Cavaliers or LeBron James putting his nuts all in my face again. I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was just thinking that like, you know, the NBA, man, players keep getting a lot of money around and someday soon, it's going to be my turn. That's all I was thinking about. B, shut the fuck up. What the entire fuck are you talking about? You mean to tell me you couldn't figure out a way to just say, all I did during the summer, I did some push-ups, I did a little sit-ups, I did a little ab roller thing, man. I got the solar flex out. I walked on the treadmill, swam a little bit, played my kids at the park, you know. And then I called up Joe Kim every so often. We split a bowl. You know how it is. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, you know. I hot box a little bit, you know. Like, Fine, right? Every other NBA guy is going to say that. That is an okay thing to say. You do not say, having had LeBron James's nuts all up on your chin for three, four seasons now, you do not say that all you're looking at 
is how much money's getting passed around this NBA, and you going, man, I got to cash in in a couple years. Why? Because you discovered last year that Jimmy Butler might be your father too? Like, uh-uh. No, that's some non-teammate ass shit to say, you bitch motherfucker. You, he, look, I'm not going to be mad at the dude because he got hurt, right? I'm mad about whatever, everything that happened because he was hurt, right? It, he, he won an MVP, won an MVP. But since winning that MVP, sports, Ari, right, what have you done for me lately business? All he's done is get hurt, right? While acting like he's Jordan to some fucking body. And even Jordan took his $2 million he took his $2 million and got his giant-ass paychecks from everything that wasn't basketball, right? Derrick Rose isn't even doing a good job of making money at that. So don't tell me that you're thinking about your paycheck until you can come in with production over these years, right, that are greater than Kyrie Irving's production. Right now, he's about the same value, right? Kyrie's hurt all the time. You hear Kyrie saying, man, someday I ain't going to have to play with this LeBron James. Then y'all see what I'm really like. You know, I'm going to be nice as fuck if LeBron James were hogging the ball constantly. Kyrie's never said no shit like that. Never. And he wouldn't. Trade Derrick Rose. Get the fuck out of town. Can I drive? I'll Uber. What? You know? It's like PTI all of a sudden. <laughs> it's the second time that's come up. It's like, yeah, it's like fucking PTI. <laughs> that is my case. Right, you got a hot take and like, like well, shit. <laughs> I got to be like Michael Wilbon over here like... <laughs> Trade him. No. I, I, this mailbag. Is like I said, I'm not mailbag. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I'm going to disagree. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say what he said was right, but I understand. Now, NBA, you got some big contracts and shit coming up. You got a new TV deal, that kind of thing. Was it wrong to, is it wrong to remind the public, I can get crazy paid? Yes, because the public hates that. Because everywhere in every every sport, there's gonna be somebody who like, who says I'm not getting paid. Well, this all every year, you, you just had Camp Chancellor go. I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. Right. Held off from training camp. He held out two games. Two brought games. his ass back in the third game. Right. Because Camp Chancellor missed a quarter of a million dollars each game, and they lost both games. Mm-hmm. He shows up, they win. Oh, but it was, you know, it's against the Bears. It ah, was yeah. against the Bears. Yeah, you know. um, that might be. I funny. think it was a bigger issue about the quarter of a million each game. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, but the thing what the thing with as and we had this discussion where as fans we don't want to hear that our that the players that represent our city represent the teams we root for are holding out for a couple mil a couple more million. We don't want to hear that because we're like you're already getting paid a million. Goddamn, you need two. In Derrick Rose's case, he's not even holding out. No, he just said all he did this summer is think about getting paid in two years. He's already paid. I'm not. Def- I'm not. Def- the thing is, is got to feed his kids. You got to feed his kids, but yeah. Hey, you know, the thing is about getting paid though is that it's capitalism. You own. You get. You're not paid what you were. You get paid what you negotiate. Right. And we all know, especially in this town, that the instant ownership goes, yes. If, they if, will toss you the they fuck think out. Derrick Rose is suddenly become a third string guard. They, they will t- cut Derrick Rose's axe. I am not concerned. I, I, it doesn't bother me that a player has to look out for himself. Okay. It bothers me that a player is discussing looking out for himself in two years. Right? 
You're, there's all you the things that you're saying something. It, right. Don't say it. You don't have to say it. Think it. This is a team game. Okay. Right? Where, where, if, if, if I even thought the Bulls had a chance this year in the East again, with the Cavaliers in this division, even if I thought, like, clearly the Bulls thought they had a chance. They didn't go and improve the team at all. Right? Bulls brass, I think, are crazy people. Right? They're going to try out the same damn lineup this year as they did last year. Right? Against what they're throwing it out there against. Right? Like, that's difficult to sell, number one, to me. Right? But now your star player has just said a very un teammate like thing. He who, wants to get paid because Jimmy Butler just got paid. But who blows that up? Me? Well, that's. I mean, I'm right. blowing it up because he's fucking said it. He said it in front of me. He said it. He, he, he did. I get the blow. But up. the thing is, though, is that what you you blow up, that's cool. He has to play with 11 dudes. One of whom get an elbow to his face and what, broke his eye. But that's not. Me. Really? Is that retaliatory now? <laughs> we got conspiracy theories? I ain't saying. I ain't saying. Orbital fractures can't melt steel beams. I, I just know Jimmy Butler said. I ain't even see it happen, yo. Like, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I mean, I, we were just playing basketball and I was, it was like somebody's mama was asking Jimmy, what happened to my baby? And Jimmy Butler was like, I, I was half court. I was like, just, I, my back was to the play. I, the next, Derek was just on the ground. <laughs> now you got conspiracy theories. Okay, Taj, Taj elbowed him in the face. <laughs> you giggling like a fucking ah, karma, motherfucker. I'm only mad at Taj because it makes it harder to trade him. You can't trade a motherfucker with a broken orbital socket and shit. Now you got to trade him. You got to be all masked up and shit like Doctor Doom. You know, we, we can't have it. You got to look nice and pretty. We got to shine that motherfucker up for somebody. How about Atlanta? Sacramento. They're going to have high draft picks. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even... If the Grizzlies is... were still in Vancouver, I'd be like, trade them there. They'll never win there. The Raptors are already too good. I want their draft picks. I want the draft picks of some shit-ass team. The only way the Bulls going to get better. You got to... Man. Trade an asset. Derrick Rose that asset. Get him out of town. I disagree. I disagree. And I'm not even the dude to do this with. Fly that bitch coach. I'm not here to do this with. I've done a Put poor job at defending this shit, but I'm not the dude to do it. Yeah, good job. Aaron? <laughs> Call, you are, are you, you calling people out now? Lil Laser? Damn. <laughs> You're calling people out now. Lil Laser got things to say about it. I know he does. I know he feels he feels like Derrick Rose must be defended. I want to tell you. Not even must be defended. He, he feels that you don't have a logical, uh, a, 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 a business and basketball logical leg stand. Actually, I do. Because from a basketball standpoint, you can't tell me you actually believe this current Bulls team, as constituted, can compete with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the other strong teams in the East. You can't. You just saw that they couldn't, and you didn't do anything about it, which means that you have decided you're going to kind of just remain in basketball hell for a bit. You're hoping LeBron gets hurt, Kevin Love gets hurt, and Kyrie Irving gets hurt. That's what you're hoping for. You're hoping that the past repeats itself and that Kevin Love can't complete a season and that Kyrie never does, and then LeBron would have to beat you on his own while also being a year older. That's the gamble the Bulls are taking. Right? This is that gamble. The reason that you do this is that gamble can't be realistic. It's not realistic. You can't improve yourself by just hoping everybody else sucks more. I said that shit about Aaron Rodgers. I was like, oh man, someday it'll be all right because the Bears are going to be playing him and he's going to be like five years older. Then you could beat him then. I was a crazy person when I said that. I was drunk, right? That was like two weeks ago. Like, (laughs) that's not real. You can't say that shit. If you really want to beat Aaron Rodgers, you got to get better now. Right. If you really want to win the East and compete for a championship, you have to actually get better. And Derrick Rose is going to help you do that because Derrick Rose is already on your damn team and you weren't going to win the East. So back it the fuck down, retool that shit, 
trade him while his value is highest, and move it the fuck along. There. There's my business reason and my basketball reason. Okay, you know what? Like, see, see, you're going to bum rush me now. See, you're going to bum rush me because I'm not the basketball dude. No! Okay, if this were a hockey conversation, I would be saying you trade Patrick Kane. (laughs) Trade Patrick Kane. Trade him. Because Patrick Kane ain't going to change. He's going to do nothing but damage your brand going forward. Right? Patrick Kane will score you a shit ton of goals. (sighs) That's the thing. You know what? The, now, will he be out of jail get, to do it? The, the picks you get for Patrick Kane will retool your team for another Stanley Cup run as you've already had to begin breaking it up because yeah. you know you're not going to repeat this year. Well, You may think they can. I'm well, not sure they can. I, I don't know I don't, if they can. I don't see a repeat. I don't know if they can. Right? So sometimes what you got to do is take an asset, move it the fuck along but when the to asset reload. Becomes a, when the asset becomes a liability. In this case... I don't know if the, if you're the, gonna get the if the you're gonna get the value have, you would have gotten. The Blackhawks have held on to him through all this shit. Yeah. They parade him in front of the media. They've got teammates going. You know what? They just be lying. It's cool. My my theory about that is so that they can justify putting him out there on the ice during the preseason, possibly even the beginning of the season, so that people can see that he can skate and that he can still play, and then they'll move him. Because you if you you make a point that if you move him two days after the accusations happen. People are lowballing you on offers, you know, waiting to see what the hell happens, right? But if, in sports terms, he looks like he's fine, right? But you know, as an organization, he ain't learned shit, no. right? Then you have to move him because know. this is where your brand, your brand is damaged. Why the Bears cut Ray McDonald? Well, the brand. <laughs> Why they do it? But it's Ray McDonald. Who gave a fuck about Ray McDonald? Well, this this defense, they gave a fuck about Ray McDonald. Man. I mean, I'm not saying Ray McDonald's going to come in here and be like Brian Erlacher. I'm saying there's a point at which on your team you look and you go, I can't have that guy in my locker room with the headlines he's generating. That is the thing that, that's the thing that they That's think. the thing that can happen. Right. thing is, in hockey, that guy's helping us win. The Blackhawks right now are making this choice. Like, we can either do the right thing okay. and, like, keep him off the ice. Or keep him on the team, but keep him off the ice. Right. We can do the right thing. so far. Right. Until you know that right. they have not done that. He skated in every preseason game. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. All right. I thought you meant like. Yeah, shelve him. Like, okay, you know what? You can practice. You can do whatever, whatever. But you, you're not playing. You're they, they, did say, they did say he can come. They did say he can come to practice. And he all can that. come to yeah. practice. He came to Blackhawks, um, Ville, yeah. whatever, the little fan thing. He did everything. Yeah. He's done everything with the team. But at some point, the Blackhawks have said, you know what? The liability is as much. The asset is this much. Yeah. Sure, we're hurting our brand. Sure, we just like <laughs> domestic violence. Give a fuck. Sure, rape five. <laughs> you know, ah, bitches be lying. They've said, "Fuck it." You know what? Because all of that does not matter in the face of us trying to repeat. Right. The NHL, the league, can step in, but the league's like, nah. We'll keep the league up here. Or the league's not gonna step in. The league is not gonna step in no. because right now the Blackhawks still original six. Yep. They're still defending Stanley Cup champions. And they're like, well, Somewhere in the back of my brain, I think he's skating so that scouts can see him, so that teams can see him, so that he looks healthy. I don't think so. And then he's going to be done. I don't think well, so. Okay. Because we know. I want him dealt. Yes. Well, yeah. All right. people want him dealt, but then again, like I say, sports makes people act really shitty. Really shitty. We had shitty. some shitty ass people in this town for a long time. Well, the thing was, is the, I think I mentioned this before, dude uh, at CBS Roller thinks is Patrick Kane is not your friend. 
He's totally not. Tetrakane is not your friend. The thing is, though, is that what we're seeing is a lot of people defending Patrick Kane because of what it means right. to their team. Yes. We and laughed at Baltimore. Them as fans. Right. Because everybody named Ray in the city of Baltimore is a criminal. <laughs> yes. About <laughs> <Yes>, that. <laughs> Pretty much. Everyone who plays. Not in, not in Baltimore, but everyone who plays for Baltimore. I think people named Ray in Baltimore use their middle name. They're just It's just easier that way. It's just easier. Oh, find out. I want to you find know? out Steve Smith's. No name is Ray. Steve Smith. I was thinking about Steve Smith the other day. Steve Smith is a little ball of hate. Is awesome. he, well, he is. He's, he's a tiny little ball of hate. But like, <laughs> he's a tiny ball of hate that has. But there's focus for his hate. He's, yeah. he's not stabbing anyone. Yes, true. He ain't punching out women in elevators. <laughs> he specifically has hatred for a team that got rid of him that said he couldn't play. Right. And for people who apparently say things to him on the field when he's busy talking shit. Hey. Only one of us can talk shit at a time, young man. <laughs> that shall be me, Steve Smith Senior. See, yes, indeed. You know, I broke four ribs, but I'm not mad at the guy who hit me and inflicted these four ribs, four broke ribs. I'm mad at the guy who hit me earlier. Why, Steve? Like the tackles seem legal and everything. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Thank you. This has been Steve Smith. The reason I liked it though, this was a very, it was a very Terry argument <laughs> because I can hate him. That's why. And sometimes I just feel that way about it. Hate, 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 hate. Sometimes, hate, hate, man. Yes. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> That's what I got right here. Let me look in this pocket. What is in here? A buck fifty and a lot of hate. <laughs> and lit. <laughs> lit and hate. And hate. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, we'll get, you know. I want to trade both Derrick Rose and Patrick Kane. I do, as a human being, I want them gone because I want my teams to be filled with talented individuals who are also good good oh, human beings. Human beings, yes. right? I just, I just want that. But I also recognize there's a business involved, and when it, when business, excuse me, smacks up against like kind of humanitarianism or like doing the right fucking shit, I hate that. But <laughs> I get it. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. But I want the business to calculate that risk and say, if we traded Patrick Kane a year ago, we would gotten more. Now we're gonna get less. But you can't say I don't care about damage to my brand because that now your no. TV money is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything's connected to that. Yeah. I you mean, can't have that. Right. I mean, but the thing about the, about the about the TV money and everything, sure they can get a they can get a shit ton of draft picks. There's somebody let Michael Vick's ass go. <laughs> Michael Vick ball. No, not anymore. No, Mike Vick. Mike Mike Vick. Mike Vick starting can quarterback. Barely throw the ball two yards now. Mm. Are you, did you not watch? Did you not see? Fantasy football, y'all. <laughs> I, I know Troy didn't start Michael Vick because he's talking too much Michael Vick good shit. <laughs> To be, to be talking about like how how, how no, Michael Vick balling these days. No. Mike Vick's thing, the fact I roof Michael, Michael Vick last year was a lower rater passer than Cutler. Don't make me go to the internet, yo. To the internet. Don't make me go to the internet. <laughs> My thing with Mike Vick is the fact that Pittsburgh, you got Pittsburgh people talking all this shit, <laughs> talking great. all this He's shit. Like I'm gonna be a people like I'm gonna be a Browns fan now. No, you're not. You didn't become a Browns fan when Ben Roethlisberger was your quarterback. That was like, really? <laughs> oh, but that dude can totally rape chicks at Miami, Ohio, but it's totally cool because he's our quarterback. He can rape chicks but, while he's your quarterback. <laughs> Meanwhile, the black dude who served time in Leavenworth, yeah. the black dude served time, said, yeah, he did I was wrong. Yeah. Did the charity thing, did yeah. the rehabilitation thing. And been, well, he did the dog thing. My, this person's raping people. Still. <laughs> no, probably. Probably. I mean, right. I clearly wasn't there. 
right? I'm an accessory to no heinous crimes. I, however, don't think dudes change just because motherfuckers on the internet talking about it. Right. And he got married. Because okay. right after the second thing, he got married. Yeah. It's like, look, I've changed. No, yeah. I don't necessarily mean you change. It just means that somebody got a ring on the finger now. Yeah. That's all that means. Right. That's something else entirely. But meanwhile, you got Mike Vick. So I'm kinda, I kind of root for Mike Vick at this point. Whatever. You can, well, you, you're rooting for him because it's a redemption story. It's a redemption story. You like a redemption story. It's a redemption story with a, a, a tinge, like a little pinch. A little pinch of racism. Yeah. Like a little little pinch. Like, ooh. Yeah. Flavorful. Like sage. <laughs> sage. <laughs> All right. What you got? Um, yeah, so, yeah, ho- hockey. Well, hockey starting. That's a good thing. Um, let's see. We got, let's see, Bears suck. Um... Hockey starting. Um, baseball's ending. Hope the Cubs lose. Um, Whoa! Come on, man. The party in this town? I'm not even a Cubs fan. No. Let me tell you. No. Nope. Nope. I'm excited for good baseball in this city. Nope. Nope. Why? Nope. Hate the Cubs. Why? My hatred of the Cubs. <laughs> Explain your hatred of the Cubs. No, no, no. This would go a lot longer. Good. Okay. All right. In basic... By the time we record the next episode, the Cubs will have won or lost, and then we go into this. Go Pittsburgh. Whoever, whoever played my favorite team, whoever the fuck plays Chicago and beats them. It's all I give a fuck about. Is, I hate it, the Cubs. is it because Cubs fans ruin it for you? Cubs fans ruin it. Okay. The whole that lovable, makes sense. The whole lovable loser bullshit. That's more Cubs fan shit. More Cubs fan. The Wrigley Field bullshit with the whole, like, oh, we just out here. We just. Woo, but again, that's Cubs fan. That's Cubs fan shit. And strong marketing. That's strong marketing. Dude. I grew up with your, your team grew, was losing like a motherfucker, and you sold seats you based sold on seats. just being here. Just being here, fucking genius. Fuck that, That's, man. Fuck that, because otherwise, my alma mater would be fucking. We have a hundred thousand people in the fucking stadium. You are not for lovable you are losers. Not comparing, you are not comparing college you, sports. You cannot be comparing the did. stadium at Northwestern to Wrigley Field. No, I'm not comparing in terms of aesthetics or anything. But that's but the, what, that's lovable, what, the lovable no, loser no, no, no. shit. Because they're getting shit because it's, you're just being there, right? But who are you being there? Who are you seeing while you're being there? No, each lovable other. Lovable losers. No, no, legit. No, no, I think you misunderstand the lovable loser thing, right? So the Cubs have been called the lovable losers. It became a thing. They hadn't won in 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 years, right? This became a thing. The lovable losers as a, as a, as a tagline that the Cubs would allow hasn't been a thing for like a long time now. But the fan base that was showing up to see and be seen at Wrigley, that was the thing that was successful about it. There's no other ballpark in the entire Major League Baseball except maybe Fenway that can say that people go to say they were there regardless of what happens on the field. Because before 2004 or something, Boston hadn't won forever either. Yeah. Right? Like Fenway, one of these original type ballparks, like everyone else is replacing this shit. Right. right, and they're all becoming these like in the seventies. They started putting these ballparks up. They were like these soulless fucking industrial complexes. Yeah, like, you know, like eighties nights, like camp, like Camden. No, 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 no. That's different. Camden came along and changed it. Yeah, right. Like, the the nine, first, so first, U.S. Cellular goes up of the the new generation ballparks. So it's a new ballpark. They tear Comiskey down, but instead of taking the old aesthetic of the old ballparks and bring some of that into the future, yeah. they kind of stopped just short. And built this bullshit ballpark, U.S. Cellular, which they've been having to basically tweak damn near every year since. Sure. Right after that, Camden gets built, did it all right. Yeah. And from that point on, everybody looked at what wasn't done at U.S. Cellular, and they did it right in their own and all the new ballparks. Right? Even Milwaukee got it better. Yes. Right? Then Chicago did. 
right? But what the Cubs were selling was, hey, check out Wrigley Field. The product on the field wasn't worth the damn. The cameraman and director would show you rooftops. They would show you the lake. They would show you the city. Everything else. They sold everything else. And WGN. We did it. We had in multiple two, states. We had Arizona, yes. Arizona, growing Iowa, up, yeah. Idaho. Growing up out west, that's what we had. We had WGN. Yeah. And we had Atlanta shit. Yeah. So Turner Broadcast. Yeah. Turner Broadcast. So we got TBS and we had fucking WGN. Yeah. So we'd always know what happened in Chicago. Yeah. And we know what happened in Atlanta. Right. So I grew up, I watched, I watched, like, I don't want to watch this lovable loser bullshit. The Braves were kicking ass. Right. David Justice, Smoke, sure. Match, you had all that shit. Sure. So I watched that when I wanted baseball because at the time, the Dodgers had just kind of dipped off. They had won their championships in the 80s and, sure. they, and the Braves went on and won all their National League titles and kept losing to the Yankees over and over and over again. But during the time you're talking about, the Cubs actually won a division a couple times. But they weren't always lovable losers then either. They were competitive then. But they were always being like portrayed as like, look, Y'all, eighteen to two, we're losing to Milwaukee. But hey, Lake, it's, it's Lake fun Ray here. Yes, Fuck that. that's what they were selling. Fuck that. Man, look, Fuck if you're that. Job... then the fact that the fact if if the Cubs win something, it's sure. not for the city. It's for WGN. It's for the Tribune. It's for the entire well, corporate. Not for the Tribune, Tribune doesn't own them anymore. Well, not anymore. Right. So now but the Tribune's right out. Yeah. And how's it not for the city? What do you mean? It's not for the city because when the Sox won, it, it was a South Side thing. We knew it. We did it for the South Side because guess what? We're the lovable fuckers on the South Side. We're the only <laughs> we black and bra- losers. Only black and brown people. Down or no, here. no, no, no! Don't say that. And poor white people. There you go. And Let's white. keep it real. And poor white people. That, that, hey. We're at the Bridgeport. Right. Well, right. Because back in the yard, there's all that like Oak Lawn. There's Sox fans out there. There's that Alsip. But full that's of Sox the thing. fans. It wasn't a Chicago. Okay. It wasn't an all Chicago. It was not an all it Chicago like, thing. We are South Side because we in know Chicago, that we play second fiddle. If you guys are listening to the podcast and you're not from Chicago, you have to understand that Chicago has an identity problem and has had this for decades. Where people who move to Chicago, in the North Side, where me and Troy live, uh, I would venture, uh, I would hazard a guess to say that it's possible that 65, 70 percent of the people that we encounter on a daily basis aren't from here. Aren't they all moved here from somewhere else. So, and they're all on the north side where we are, right? So it's a, the north side's a very, like, it's a, it's a ethnic and social mixed bag of people, right? All from everywhere, right? And but the south safe. side, for it's the most segregated. part, is, right, the, well, the whole city's very segregated, right. but the people who've come here, if you talk to them, and you went to college here, so you know, right. like, how many times do you hear somebody say, oh man, where else can we go in Chicago? Let's just go explore it. And somebody goes, don't go to the South Side. Like, you hear that <laughs> so much. Don't go South Roosevelt. Don't go South Roosevelt. Like, you hear that so much in this town. The North Side of Chicago is so packed with people and culture. And things to do. And things to do. And no one wants to go. There's a point where you're on the red line. You know exactly at which point you won't see another white person on that train. You know? Like, there's people who jump off that train at Harrison like, oh, shit. I almost left up. I almost passed White Landia. Right? right? You, there's, there's then a, you hit Sir Mac like, oh, shit. There's no, the last chance. Got to town. Right. Got to go now, right? Like, that, that's a thing. That's a real yeah. thing in Chicago. Thing, yes. and, and for baseball in this town, it is the dividing line is exactly that thing. Whereas yes. the White Sox aren't a city team and the Cubs aren't a city team. The Cubs are a north side team. The and the White Sox are a south side team. The Cubs would theoretically, Cubs theoretically hold the banner for the city. Because theory and I can hold the city because in, of in WGN. Terms of what, in terms of what a media would like to sh- portray, in terms of the the WGN penetration, in terms of their historic thing of right. we're going wherever in this in the city, like you have people overseas who are Cubs fans, right. never been to fucking Wrigley, right. want to make the pilgrimage and shit yes. like it's Mecca, 
Right. Because of the whole like, oh, this is what I see right. because I see the rooftops and this, this is cool. Chicago. Yeah. This is Chicago. Right. This so they win. This is not for Chicago. This is for everybody else. This is for people now, who are fucking you, Yankees fans who don't live anywhere near New York. My kind you, of shit. Or like Southside has become Yankees fans because the Yankees were winning. And this is the thing about the White Sox that I, I say is part of the problem too. The entire time, while the Cubs are busy being lovable losers and guarding all this great media attention and having this amazing amount of market share and finding a, mirror, a way to actually professionally present a team that doesn't win a damn thing yet make money, the White Sox couldn't do this. Couldn't do right? it. Because they couldn't field a winner, right? Yeah. And would not invest in their community to yeah. do what had happened around Wrigley. Wrigleyville developed as a, as a result of all that work that went into building something around a losing-ass team, Right? This was something that while the White Sox were also losing their asses the entire <laughs> fucking time, right? Didn't seem to put a dime into the rest of that community to have the same damn thing happen. They were going to win before the Cubs did. Wouldn't you want to be ready? The Bulls didn't even do that, right? right? They Six championships in the 90s and the, and the West Side still like a fucking bomb hit it, right? <laughs> the whole fucking time. There, not, a, not a thing went to developing the West Side until after Jordan was gone, right? Right? So even I, now you can't really say a lot's been put into the West Side, right? Especially after the 2008 crash, it went kind of went backwards a little bit <laughs> in some ways. I, I get the, the hate for the lovable losers. I, I don't want any part of cubbiness. I don't want any part of like lovable loserness. That's some bullshit, right? Yes. Right. I'm a Mariners fan. My team ain't won a championship either, right? But I will say that as a marketing dude, man, when you can start selling fucking refrigerators to Eskimos, you're doing something there. Right, and then the times in which they did win, the times in which they did win, the 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 part the people that weren't really the fan base would say they'll just eventually choke and lose it, but they got there more than people thought, you know. Like many other baseball, some baseball teams never did. The White Sox won in two thousand five, and motherfuckers acted like they've been winning the entire time, right? And they went right back in the toilet right after that. Pretty much, they've been the worst well, damn team in baseball for the last three years. Yeah. Look at some numbers there too. Look at, <laughs> look at the internet. They've been amongst the worst teams. Amongst oh, well, no, no. Said the worst. I, I'm gonna say probably even yeah for for at least probably last two years probably the worst. Yeah, they they have stuck. Okay. The only thing the White Sox have had of any kind of actual value is Cristel and Jose Abreu, and they're they're it, it looks at the end like oh it's not so bad record wise, but you go back and actually look at those numbers. No, they've had a, a strong tradition of ass. You know, but they they buy you some free agents. They spend a little bit of money, and they have people saying the Cubs are cheap, right? When the Cubs aren't cheap, no. and they have people say, "No one said the Cubs are cheap." This is a thing. The Cubs this is a Chicago cheap, thing. Yes. This is totally a Chicago thing. You know, ever since a uh, Cubs ownership wouldn't pay a black dude some money, and yeah, man, it's, it goes back to the late sixties, early seventies. Cubs are fucking cheap. Then they stopped being cheap, and you know, you are you're a hockey fan. You know damn well you can't just go and buy yourself a fucking championship. No. The Blackhawks wouldn't be the Blackhawks if they didn't develop talent. You have to. You, you, you got to develop. Of course, talent. you have to develop talent. Yeah. Right. You got to make talent. You know, people. The reason that everybody gives the Green Bay Packers all these mad props and shit, they say it's Aaron Rodgers. Right. He's a phenomenal fucking quarterback. But almost draft, everyone on that team's a draft pick. And the fact that Packers fans themselves didn't think Aaron Rodgers would be any good. They did not. In fact, which he was, was booed. Hilarious. Which was booed hilarious. when he was drafted because Favre. Yep. Fuck Brett Favre. All day. Favreau was still going to lead him to more championships, yep. whatever, and he was the heir apparent. Favreau was a total dick to him, whatever. And that's how that shit worked. And then people look at me like, well, who's this Aaron Rodgers kid? Like, this kid went to Cal. This kid went up the street. Right. This kid was nice. Yep. He was nice at Cal. A.A. Rodgers. A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron. 
But that's the thing. Like I, just, I, I, I cannot. I can't get beyond the cubbiness. I can't be. I, I get you respect the game. I get it. That, it's purely that for me. Okay, it is just respecting the I game. Can't respect the game. I I was down for the celebration when the White Sox won in two thousand five, except it was White Sox fans that put me off the entire fucking shit. <laughs> well, here is Cubs fans because I don't want to hear the shit. I want to hear shit. I live among. I live amongst them. I hope Wrigleyville shuts the fuck down quick, I, I, early and quick. Okay, I'm gonna party. I'm I'm coming to your house. I'm gonna come to your house and go out. Oh, come yo, come to my house when, please Pittsburgh, God. <laughs> Shut these motherfuckers down so we give up and shut the fuck up for another year. Because if the Cubs win, if they win the World Series, Troy, I'm coming to your house. We're going out. I'm renting the fucking, no, I'm renting the fucking house out. <laughs> Two grand, bitches. Let's go. Cover my rent and some. Then we go somewhere else and party. Fuck that. I, Meh. Fuck I, I miss it. I miss the party. Like, I, I, I party like crazy when the Bulls won that first championship. I was living in the neighborhood. I was living down the street before you had now. Right. And I just... Just I get it. Drunk going down Clark Street. I, I missed that. Going woo. Yeah, dude. Man, Rick Flaring it. Woo! You know? <laughs> I want that again. My wife told me I can do it. I just can't take my wallet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna take my driver's I license. Mean, where were you with the Blackhawks first shit? What's that? 2011. Where were you with the Blackhawks shit? It's hockey. But it was still Chicago. Yeah, I so here's the thing. When that happened, I was in bars watching it, right? I watched all of that. I had a fine time in bars watching that. I don't do the parade joint. Like, I don't do the whole go watch the Stanley Cup go by. I don't do that for any sport. I don't want to be in that crowd. Well, at least I only want Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. I can't do that. Yeah. I, can, I can do the, if, if there's a big, if there's a bunch of dudes in the street hollering and screaming and getting drunk, where I'm at, I will do that for that thing, right? Okay, but Let's, you're not I'm, going to a place to do that. No, I'm not in general. I'll do it for the Cubs because okay. 105 fucking years, right? Fuck that. Like, I mean, no, not a hundred years. I, see, I get it. I mean, but... They I mean, thought they were cursed because of alive, You've been alive for 40... You've been alive for a portion of that. And Blackhawks fans have not been exactly the friendliest batch of motherfuckers. That's the, true. Hey, fuck you, the Ogden. All right? When we talk about the South Side <coughs> and what the South Side's like <laughs> and who's a South Side team, right? That's who I got to go and celebrate with. And I ain't doing that. Fuck them. You know? Nah, acting like you were always there the entire fucking time. I ain't talking about Fairweather fan bullshit, sports nerds. I'm talking about acting like somehow this weird sort of turn back the clock on some social shit done happened now that your team is winning, right? That's the thing that I notice that I hate. I can't stand that shit. Like, you don't want all these other fans injecting who are injecting their money and their interest. The brand has changed because of new fans, right? Right. Ain't nobody telling old fans you can't enjoy a fucking game. But don't show up now like you the old fucking Rough Riders and your fucking like your, your, your long leather coats and your big ass cowboy ass and you can drive all this new business out of town or some shit. Oh no, fuck and you. You know, this that end of Blackhawks Nation can eat a hot bowl of dicks. You know. So no, I won't party of, with them. A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. There are a lot of them. Yeah, Shit, enjoy your donut shops and your Merlot. Or no, it was that was a complaint about the that was, yeah. that was a complaint about the north side. <laughs> Stay on the north side with your sushi and your Merlot. Hey. <laughs> Live from some donut shop on Thirty Fifth Street. <laughs> That's what's up. But yeah, fuck they the did it. The the White Sox won this one for the South Side. Pauly and, and Joey. Right, we're not gonna mention they Jermaine did it for Dye. Us. Yeah, and right? Jose Contreras and Thank you. Thank you. We're not gonna you. mention we're not gonna mention the brown and black nope. people. No 
Cup? In, oh, World Series MVP Jermaine died? No, no. Right. No, no. Okay. Not, no, no. Not no. even Ozzy. Ozzy managed the joint. But Ozzy's a brown <laughs> dude who talks funny. He's a brown dude who talks funny. Where does he get? Hot, hold it down, son. Last thing that I got. Okay. And it's, if, if there's people out there who aren't baseball, hockey, basketball fans, if they think they just heard a bunch of obscure sports shit, this is gonna, they're going to love this. I have in my hands the only thing every choice. <laughs> every year I buy one pro wrestling magazine a year. And it's the Pro Wrestling Illustrated PWI 500. The top 500 pro wrestlers are ranked. I love this thing. And what I did is I went through and I listed like the top rated brothers. You know, I watch a lot of independent pro wrestling fam. I watch a lot. And my favorite black wrestler is a dude named Cedric Alexander. Right, so I was really curious. Cedric Alexander is a wrestler out of North Carolina. Currently, he's wrestling in Ring of Honor. He wrestles at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and a bunch of other like Middle Eastern, uh, Mid Atlantic places. And he he does some international joints too, right? You can find tape of Cedric Alexander out there if you want to. Like in a couple years, Cedric Alexander will be in the WWE. I have no doubt about that. But I was really curious where Cedric Alexander fit in the in the top five hundred, right? In the where, pantheon. In the pantheon, right? I was hoping Cedric Alexander. Now I'm not saying he had to be. I don't think he had the best year in this past year. A lot of what you do in wrestling is about how you're booked, right? If the guys who are writing storyline and the guys who are hiring for shows and the guys who are setting up cards for events don't value you more than someone else, you start earlier in the card, or you don't work, or you're given some bullshit assignment or a few that just doesn't matter quite so much. You know what I mean? Okay. You yourself have all this immense amount of talent. You're gonna do your thing when it's your turn, but it's the difference between getting four minutes to do some hot shit and getting 12 minutes to do some hot shit, right? So okay. Cedric Alexander is my favorite brother currently wrestling right now. And I normally don't even think about these terms, but the last time this magazine came out, I don't think we were even doing this podcast yet. So I didn't talk about this a year ago when I bought the only wrestling magazine I've every year. Well, Cedric Alexander is rated number 85. So I had that moment where I want to call bullshit because damn it, 85? I thought he'd at least be in the top 40, right? He's 85. But there are dudes on this list. Like, I think that he's a better wrestler than Biggie Langston or Kofi Kingston. I think, he, or Xavier Woods. I think he's better than those guys, but they're in the WWE wrestling as the New Day. And they're incredibly entertaining. So, by virtue of them being on everybody's TV once or twice a week, right, right and at pay per views, having this hot gimmick everybody can see, they're not as good as Cedric Alexander, talent wise, but people see them and they are working there. They're technically, I guess, having a better year. Yeah. But. There are guys who are further up the list, like uh, Jay Lethal is number 17, and right ahead of him is a guy named Prince Puma, who may also be known as Ricochet, right? I know him as Ricochet. He's Prince Puma when he wrestles for Lucha Underground, right? They're number 16 and 17. Those are the two highest rated brothers on the list. Uh, Ricochet is from Paducah, Kentucky, right? And uh, Jay Lethal is from Elizabeth, New Jersey, right? So you may remember Jay Lethal when he worked in TNA doing a gimmick called Black Machismo. He basically did a Black Randy Savage gimmick. He talked like Randy Savage. He dressed like Randy Savage. He's really fucking good at it. Jay Lethal this year has spent the last, say, six months or so, I think, as the Ring of Honor World Television Champion and the Ring of Honor World Champion. He's doing both of these things, and he just did a pay-per-view a couple weeks back where he defended both titles on the same show. He opened the show wrestling Bobby Fish, beating Bobby Fish for the television title to hold it. And then he closed the show uh, beating Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish's tag team partner. And both were really outstanding matches. So this dude is putting in twice the work now because he's holding two titles. He's evolved from being Black Machismo to just being Jay Lethal 
the greatest first generation wrestler, hmm. which is a, a way, another way of saying he's the best in the world. Okay. And I think he's amongst the best in the world. He's not in the top 10. They got him at number 17. And Ricochet, whose matches are just mind blowing for the aerial skill of this dude, death defying things. I've seen him run the diagonal way across the ring, leap in the air, do a forward somersault into the crowd to land on the guy. And by into the crowd, I mean five rows in. Five rows in. I've seen like, the, the things this guy does are just amazing to watch. I'm stunned that he was 16. I really thought he'd be a lot further down just because a lot of what Ricochet does is purely like a lot of matches in Japan for Dragon Gate or something like, or companies like that. Or But Lucha Underground is actually some decent shit. It's, I think it's El Rey. I think that's the network it's on. Okay. Um, and it's done in like seasons. And I think you can catch the entire first season of Lucha Underground on demand, right? And it's basically like a kind of a, it's a, it's a fancy, like a really well-produced Lucha Libre show. So it's done like there's a guy, like a, a evil manager dude who like runs the company right. and he sets up the matches and they do these things where like the wrestlers are talking to each other backstage, but they have to pretend the camera's not really there. Not like the WWE when they're doing it backstage, just talking some shit before your next match. Like you see them plotting to do shit, you yeah. know, and then they go out into like the asylum area where the matches actually happen. So they're, they, they're kind of doing film storyline shit. Okay. So it's, it's a creative and unique kind of product. Okay. You know, and, and he was champion there for about 200 days or so, right? But there, Ricochet wrestles as Prince Puma, so he's wearing a mask. It's a cat gimmick. Yeah. Right? So those are the two highest rated brothers. And honestly, I can't, I can't, I'm glad they're both up there. I just didn't expect Puma to be that high. And I would love to have seen Cedric Alexander higher. But I realized that in, this, in, the, in the year in which this all happened. In the game, right. The game is the game, right? Like he, he, he ended up having to work with some dudes who were kind of coming up in the business a little bit. So it seemed like he's working a little bit more as, you know, filler and trainer type dude instead of like letting him do what the fuck he's got to do, you know, what he needs to be doing. And for all I know, he might have even been injured. And like injuries happen in wrestling and they hide that shit. Yeah. You know, so there, that's me talking wrestling there. Got any wrestling questions? Get at me at Doc Midnight. I will talk wrestling all day with actual fans. Troy is like, God damn it. (laughs) See, another thing. My wrestling is Basketball shit and wrestling shit. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. So, like, yeah, hockey, I got you, but um, okay. I don't know how many of our like actual hardcore crew are wrestling fans. I think I'm the guy. I think you, yeah. I might be. They come dude. to you, yeah. I'm Jeff. Yeah, you know, at uh, uh, dark and nerdy, dark and nerdy. I've been, I've been sliding into shit. You slide, yeah, via Dropbox. Yeah, you, you were, yeah, he's you been were, amazed. You've been, like, yeah, you were kind of a, a you know, pusher man. On yeah, the, yeah. On the sheet, like, oh, yeah, Lakeith, Lakeith too. Okay, Who, I think Lakeith is just Lakeith out there. I don't, I don't uh, have. No, Bruiser 78? 79. 79. Okay. Word. Right. So we just shout out the crew and everything. <laughs> um, what up, Vinny? Holler at Vinny, too. I mean, put Vinny in this shit, too. Right. Vinny likes football. <laughs> Vinny likes football. <laughs> um, I, I think that's pretty much it. That's I think all. we're done. I think that's pretty much it. Um, I think we killed it, son. I think we're... So, um, this has been episode 10. Stakes is high. Stakes is high. The, the Black Nerd Podcast. Okay. For sure. I remain Troy Hunter at Tall Black Guy um, on the Twitters, Tumblers, all that. We got some, probably some new stuff coming up um, on the art tip. This is Inktober, um, drawing stuff. Um, we got the Facebook group coming up, coming up now. Um, we doing big things. So that's what's up. Um, so yeah, keep up for that. Ill Gates, I'll be here reminding you, back your shit up. Back your shit up. I'll be the gift of Gab. What? No, at Doc Midnight. <laughs> At Dread October. <laughs> oh, God. 
I always do some chore I didn't expect. Wow. I went old school. <laughs> All right. This has been episode 10. Thank you for rocking with us. Remember, get, a, get at us at stakesishighpodcast at gmail.com. Holler at us on... On we don't get mail. We need mail. I don't know if I check mail. Um, oh, maybe Troy hasn't looked. Holler <laughs> uh, at us on that. Um, get us on the Twitters and everything. Um, happy to have y'all with us. Um, get at us and everything. And we will check y'all later on. Laters. <laughs>